to be in church, right? There we go. There we go. Hey, my name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I, and Veda Bale and Casey Ray get the privilege of pastoring this church. And uh, we want to welcome you if you're visiting with us. Maybe you came today to see uh, a family member or a friend. Maybe you're here today just because of the topic that we're talking about. Maybe you're here today just because God led you here. But I want you to know you're here on purpose because you have a purpose. God wants to be able to not only impact your life, but use you to do great things through this church, and uh, we're excited to have you this season. As Pastor Brian and Malcolm said, we'd love to have you back next, Saturday, next Sunday as we celebrate Christmas together as a whole as we get ready for a great holiday, and we will continue this series. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 2. If you don't have your Bibles, feel free to jump on your phone and look it up, or certainly you can follow along with me behind the screen as I go, and of course our app, TN Victory app, as you look on that. And uh, you'll be able to see the sermon notes. We are beginning a new series today called In My Feelings. And the concept of it is we are going to address all of the emotions and the feelings that are very common today in our culture. Things like anxiety, depression, loneliness, disappointment. Things that everybody's experiencing but nobody's talking about. And so we want to just kind of address it just head front as a church. Uh, so this week, the 22nd on the Christmas service and the 29th, right before the new year, I'm going to take three Sundays and we're just going to break down these things uh, and, and kind of walk through them. The, the statistics say that this is the season where our feelings are at the highest. This is kind of the worst time for those feelings, that our anxiety is higher than ever and our depression is higher than ever because of the holidays. I mean, some of us know that it might be because we had, we've lost a loved one recently and this is the first time we're celebrating the holiday without them and that, that brings emotion. Uh, maybe a lot of us, we're, we're pressured financially and we know what we want to do, but we know that we can't do it and so we're pressured financially. Or maybe it's just the busyness of the season. I've talked to a lot of our dream teamers and this is, your, your business is kind of getting ramped up for the end of the year, and so you're working your tail off, and then everything's happened, the kids are out of school or getting ready to get out of school, and it's just crazy. It's just a crazy season, so all of the emotions are very high, and so I want to do the best I can for a couple weeks to, to walk through how to um, face those feelings, and so we're going to start by looking at Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read about seven verses, and then we'll dive into it. Every year, Jesus' parents went to, I'm sorry, verse 41, starting at verse 41, Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival, which was according to their custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking that he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and their friends, and when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him, him being Jesus, was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother, Mary, said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? For your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Do me a favor, start nudging the person beside you. Nudge them, get a good nudge, get a good nudge. I want you to ask them the title of my sermon. Nudge them, look at them and say, why are you so anxious? Why are you so anxious? Uh, are you familiar with the Bible app that gets on your phone? You can kind of hit it. I, I'm not sure the exact title of it, Bible Gateway app, something like that. According to that app, 
the number one most searched scripture of 2019. So the entire year, the, the entire world, the most searched scripture was Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, which starts like this. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Here's what that's telling us, church, is that mental illness and the struggle with these feelings and these emotions is very real. We're all facing it. Everyone's facing it to a certain uh, status or to a certain level, so much that we're all searching the Bible to find out the answer for it. What's the answer, God? How do I stop from being anxious? But the rest of that verse goes like this. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So I don't think that verse is so much telling us not to have the feelings, because I'll just be honest with you. I'm not sure I know how to control my feelings. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Let me say it like this. I'm not sure I can stop them from showing up. When Darla walks in a room, I get all in my feelings. You know what I'm saying? That's my wife, in case you're visiting, because, like, who is he talking about? Um, you know, if I get a text message, I, I have these feelings. Like, are y'all like me when you get a text message? Like, you immediately have this anxious feeling. So I, I don't know that the Bible is so much telling you to stop having it. Because then that's the kind of attitude we walk in. Like, well, if I have it, I'm bad, right? i gotta, I got to stop from having it. I think what the Bible is trying to get us to do is to face those feelings and learn how to lead them. Okay? So it's not just don't have them, but, but learn how to lead them. Look, how, look what the scripture said. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, what? Present it to God. So what it's telling you is you, when you have these feelings, don't, don't get angry at yourself, don't ignore them, but lead them to God. And so for the next couple of weeks, what I want to do is do my best to kind of process through how to lead these feelings. Now, I need to preface it with this. I have a really good friend who is a licensed counselor, and my wife and I met with her and just kind of walked through uh, the practical side of this because one thing that I love to do in Victory is I, I, I believe in the supernatural and the spiritual side of it, but I also always want to give you the practical side of it. Um, and so we, we sat down, and, and it's been really cool. I'm emailing her these sermons and allowing her to kind of look through them and let me know uh, you know, what I'm saying and how, does that, how is that taken in by somebody. And so we wanted to give some practical steps as well. So along with these sermons, every three weeks, if you'll go to our sermon notes on our app and you'll scroll all the way to the bottom, you're going to find a couple of book suggestions that we put on there for you uh, to go and read if, if you're that interested in it. And there's also a link for Christian counselors. And so you can find both of that on the bottom of our app note. So along with the preaching, along with the sermons, we wanted to do our best we could to supply you with more resource to be able uh, to really go after this concept and, and help you lead your feelings. Amen? So let's get started. Again, all three of these weeks will kind of connect. Um, but the very first thing that I think you and I have to do to be able to lead our feelings is this. I think we have to face them. I think right off the bat we have to face them. Before we can ever lead our feelings, we have to admit that we have them, right? So let me show you what it said in Luke chapter 2, verse 43 and 44. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day, and then they began looking for him among their relatives and their friends. Can I ask you a question? Can you imagine losing Jesus Think about this. Like, you've lost your keys. You've lost your wallet, right? You've, but have you ever, like, what, what would it be like to have to search for the Savior? You know what I'm talking about? Like, like, what does it mean when you lose 
Jesus. And but watch this. Not only did they lose Jesus, but they didn't realize they lost Jesus until an entire day had gone by. You thought you were a bad parent, right? I'm constantly judging myself. Like, I'm, I'm a failure at being a parent. I never lost Jesus for a day. You know what I mean? Like, like Mary and Joseph, they're just kind of walking through, like, the, the, the Jerusalem flea market. You know what I'm talking about? The Jerusalem farmer market. And Mary's like, hey, baby, we should get some bread. And, uh, and so they're in there, and they're eating. And she's like, Joseph, you got to come try this apricot fig, fig jam. You know what I mean? Like, come over here and check this out. And so she's like, get a piece of naan bread. You know, and so he's coming over. And, and she's like, Jesus would love this. And looks around and like, where's Kevin? You know what I mean? It's like it's that moment, like, where's Jesus? Like, ah! You know, like, we've lost. Jesus, like I just had, to me that has to, like I read the Bible like I'm there, right? And like Mary's real, Joseph's real. They were like, oh snap, like we got hashtag parent failed. We, we, we don't know where Jesus is, like he's gone. And then the Bible says that they traveled back and then here was my thought. Can you imagine walking up to the church knowing you lost Jesus? You're the worst deacon ever. You know what I'm talking about? It's like you're coming through, and you know how it gets. People are looking at you, and they, you think they're judging you, and they're really not. But you're walking by like, I can't believe we came back to church. We done lost Jesus. Right? Man, imagine sitting in the nativity scene and being like, we got it all. Where's the baby? I mean, like that puts a whole a hex on the whole thing, right? So they're walking in. Here was my picture, because I like to try to go there. He walks in, and Joseph walks up, because you know Mary's going to make Joseph do it, right, man? You know what I'm talking about? Like, go tell him, honey. Like, you, you, you birthed him. You tell him. I wasn't technically even involved. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he ain't my kid. He's God's kid. And so he's walking, and he goes up, and he's like, Reverend, Reverend, uh, real quick, Reverend, could you quit praying for a second? Got a problem. Uh, so... Uh, I might have misplaced the Messiah. You know what I mean? And here, here's what I'm imagining. So then the reverend looks at him and goes, oh, well, how long has he been missing? Ah, uh, see, we had traveled a day before we realized it. Then we had to travel a day back. So about 48 hours, we ain't been able to find Jesus. You know what I mean? Like that, well, imagine that moment, right? Because the last place you want to go and admit that you've lost Jesus is the church. Like, I, I mean, come on. Like, you can let them know at the corner market, but like in the church. And look, unfortunately, likewise, the church has become the last place that we want to admit that we've lost control of our feelings. And I don't understand that. I don't understand why we want to pretend like we've got it all figured out when we come to the church. The very, the very place that we're supposed to be able to let it all down, the very place that we're supposed to come in and go, hey, I got a problem. I'm not perfect, right? There, this has to be, if there was ever a place, how dumb would we be if we walked into the emergency room of the hospital and somebody said, are you okay? And we were like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, man. Don't worry about me. Yep. Like, I think you have a hernia. No, I'm good. Just praise the Lord. You know what I mean? Praise the Lord. He good. Uh, like, that's so stupid. Yeah, that's what we do at the church. We come in and like, oh, I'm good, man. I'm good. No, you're not. And it has to be okay for us to say, I'm not okay. Right? That, that has to be. This has to be a sanctuary of safety for us to be able to come in and face what we're dealing with. Hey, this is what I got going on. And you'll never be able to lead it if you won't turn around and face it. You keep denying it, you can't lead it. You keep pretending it's not there, you can't direct it. We have to face it. My friend, 
uh, allowed me, gave me a couple of testimonies, uh, quotes from a couple of people that were, were honest about their anxiety, and they, they allowed us the freedom to show it and talk about it today. So I wanted to give you just a couple of quotes from a couple of people uh, regarding, the, um, regarding anxiety and the church. So it says, anxiety puts up a block between you and God. When I read that, I thought that was interesting. I'd never seen it from that point of view. It says, it causes you to question your standing with him and if he cares for you. Wow. I haven't reached that. Watch this. I haven't reached out to my church about what I'm going through because of the shame. And I'm afraid of the stigma and being judged. That's the, that, that stigma is what we're going after with point one. It said, it would be nice to have an openness and a safe way to tell the leadership in the church. Watch this second one. Go ahead and put that next one up for me. It says, there's a major stigma in the church about mental health. People often feel like they can't share these things, and people who've never experienced it don't understand what it's like. If you say you're anxious, they say you don't trust God enough. Or they say, if you say you're depressed, they say you don't recognize how blessed you are. Watch this. They don't recognize that it's something we aren't choosing. And this is, this is my favorite part. It's not a faith thing. I have faith, but I also have anxiety and depression. Wow. Like, we could drop a microphone and leave after those pairs. You know what I mean? That's so powerful. And understanding that, that we need a place where you can be open. Can I just make a confession right now that hopefully you will all put into your brain, tell your friends, tell people that you aren't here today. Listen, we are announcing here that no matter what it is you're dealing with, whether you can identify it or not, this has to be the sanctuary where you can feel safe to say, hey, I'm dealing with this. This is the place, okay? It's okay. We have leadership. It's okay. Whether it's, whether it's myself or my wife, whether it's the director ministry, whether it's in your dream team. Listen, this is one of the reasons why you need to get on a dream team. is because it's not just somebody sitting near you, but it's somebody who you are in relationship with. And you can share with some of the most phenomenal conversations, and babe, am I right, happen on Friday night at Setup. Because people are setting up and they have that time, hey, are you okay? And, I mean, ministry conversations happen. You need that in your life. You need somebody you can tell that to. Amen? This is that place. That has to be the beginning of this entire series. Don't be coming in here pretending like you're not struggling with something. Come in here and let God set you free. Here was the next interesting thing I saw in uh, verse 46. It says, after three days they found him. Now that's interesting because you can be looking at this either way. Either it's saying three days after they got back to the place or that's including the day that they traveled and now it's two days. Regardless, whether you see it as two or whether you see it as three, that's a long time to be looking for Jesus, right? So here's what that tells me. They did not want to ask for help. Am I right? Ladies, you know what it's like to be in the car with your husband? And you're like, do you know where you're going? And they're like, yeah, I know where I'm going. And an hour and a half later, it took you to get to a 15-minute trip to the Publix. You know what I'm talking about? And he didn't want to ask for help. This is the concept. They didn't want to ask for help. So instead of finding Jesus, they, the second they got there. Listen, it said it was a 12-year-old speaking with the kind of words that astonished adults. If you walk in the door and go, hey, is there a young kid around here talking with a lot of authority? They'd have been like, yep, we know exactly where he is. Come on. But they didn't want to admit that they lost Jesus. They wanted to sneak into the church. Mom, I'm so, I'm so, I'm 
said Jesus. <laughs> you think that's what Jesus was like at 12? Mom. Listen, never mind. Okay. He comes. And then they can, the <laughs> uh, Holy Spirit's gone. We had a church. Uh, so, so, so he can, Jesus, come on, come on, Jesus, don't say nothing, Jesus. Come on, let's sneak you out of here. Why? Because we don't want anybody to know what happened. So, shh. Just, Joseph, shut up. You know what I mean? Like, just, you know, just sneak in. Isn't that what we want to do? We want to sneak into church. Shh, no, 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 don't raise your hands. Shut up. Mama, they got prayer. Don't move for prayer. But you just said you did. Don't move down for prayer. Be quiet. Shh, don't tell nobody. Why? Because we don't want anybody to know. Meanwhile, we have to ask for help. The other night, Darla and I had a meeting. We were in our kitchen, and we had let uh, Casey Ray watch TV in the living room. And we're in there in the meeting, and I'm not lying to you verbatim. She comes in. She's got her fists clenched like this. You know, she's about this tall. And she comes in, and she's like, and she walks right past us. We have like a glass back door. She walks to the back door, and she just looks. She just, I don't know where she gets it from. And she just stands there, and we're all four of us are like, what in the world? Like, we're just kind of looking, and the daughter says, uh, babe, are you okay? She goes, turns around, still, finches, uh, uh, fists clenched. She's like, the TV won't work. <laughs> First of all, your priorities are off. You know what I'm talking about? You're a lucky kid. Second of all, clear as day, daughter literally said, well, baby, did you ask for help? I got the remote, went, boop, there you go. Problem solved. Because sometimes daddy can handle it quickly if we're asking for help, right? But we want to keep it all to, I don't want to ask. Some of y'all in church this morning like, you just, you just, you just, you need a different face. You know what I'm talking about? Just angry. And God's like, if you just ask for help, we can solve this. Get the process working. Can I, can I tell you something? You are not less of a person if you're struggling with something. Can I tell you that? You are not less spiritual if you're struggling with something. Bible said Jesus sweat blood when he was getting ready to go across. You think that's anxiety just a little bit, right? It happens. If nothing else, see it as a gift of something that brings you to your knees at the feet of Jesus, right? I need you. It has to be like that. Amen. So it starts with us having to face it. Second, once we faced it, we got to learn how to spin it, okay? When it comes to those feelings, we got to face them, and then we got to learn how to spin them. Now, let me break this down for you a little bit. Let's look at uh, verse 48. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. They had been anxiously Searching, which means that they were, according to uh, definition, that they were at a distress, a mental distress while they were searching for Jesus. Another word would be a great worry is where they were. While they were searching for Jesus, they had a great worry, a mental distress. And I've been really honest with you guys over the past couple months from the stage about my struggle with my thoughts and how I can get on a thought. And I talked about how when someone gets up to go to the bathroom, I'll be like, they hate the sermon, they're leaving the church, they're going to put a, a, a thing on Yelp, and they're going to close the whole thing down. Like, you know, my mind just goes crazy. And that, that's anxious searching. And that's what they were doing. She was just running. Can't you see Mary running around? She's like, Joseph! He's dead, Joseph. You know what I mean? Like somebody probably has his body and his head is disconnected. And it's like, what? Like he's just over there talking about the Bible. Like you're just anxious searching. 
Uh, I told you before, years ago, we were uh, in Florida on a family vacation, and we were at this, like, massive arcade thing. And we lost Veda for like three minutes. It wasn't very long. She had gone into one of those games where the whole thing, it kind of locks you in, and we couldn't see her. And, and for three minutes, we were searching through this huge arcade. And the thoughts that ran through my head, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, they were just so horrible. They just, it was just insane how horrible they were because I was anxiously searching for her. My mind was in great distress. And a lot of times what happens to us when we're fighting anxiety or depression or disappointment or loneliness or whatever it is, we find ourselves in this moment of great mental distress. Do you know that the Department of Psychology in Pennsylvania says that 91.4% of what we worry about actually comes true? Isn't that crazy? 91.4% of the things you worried about this morning will come true, won't come true. That's, that's pretty intense. Yet, regardless of that statistic, I have this problem where my mind jumps from one anxious thought to the other, and it just goes and goes and goes until I'm like wrapped up in worry. Anybody else with me? Am I just talking to myself? Okay, thank you. Just want to know where I was in the room. I I heard a guy quote it like this, that worry is the misuse of our imagination. And I wanted to add this because I'm a believer and I preach the gospel. Worry is not just that, it's a misuse of my faith. Let me walk through you on this, walk with you on this. So, so faith, right? Faith is you believing for something that is beyond your understanding. It's beyond your situation. A lot of you gave towards Purpose Prevails uh, 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 last week, and, and I, it's incredible. I can't wait to, to announce everything, but I won't do it to the end of the year because giving is open to the end of the year, and it's just been incredible. But when you gave, you gave in faith. Right? You gave in faith, believing that God was going to do something different with it. God was going to do something great with it. Last night, we had a Christmas party for our directors, and we were in this room, and there was 17 of us in this room, and Pastor Brian just mentioned, he said, there were less people than this in one of our interest parties when we were getting ready to launch the church, and now our director team is the size of that. What happened is we planted a church with faith. We didn't know it was going to happen. We didn't know we'd have everybody sitting here on this day talking about anxiety and our feelings. But we had faith. We believed for something outside of our understanding. That's what worry is, is we are believing for something outside of actual possibility, and outside of our understanding, except it's a negative thought, not a positive thought. I'll give you an example. Uh, Darla and I were wrapping Christmas presents, and the tube that was in the wrapping paper, you know what I'm talking about, the little cardboard tube, fell out. Casey Ray came in and got it, went out into the living room, and she was sword fighting. She was believing that she had a sword in her hand, and she's all in the living room, right? So she had used her imagination to believe that was a sword, because that's not a sword. Are we clear on that? Okay. So, so she was using her imagination to believe that was a sword. I realized what had happened, and I walked into the living room to check on her, And when I saw her sword fighting in the living room, my imagination started to move, and it didn't go in the direction of, hey, grab another tube and sword fight with her, although some of you are great dads, that's what you would have said. I thought my entire house is about to be ruined, because here was my thought. She's going to hit that table, it's going to knock that picture frame off, it's going to break that picture frame, and then because of that, she's going to back up, and then she's going to spin around, and she's going to get the tube stuck in the Christmas tree, and the Christmas tree lights are going to catch on fire, and it's going to catch the the tree on fire, and then Beta, who wasn't even in the room, is going to come down the stairs, and she's going to pull out of the Christmas tree and light Beta's hair on fire after she hits her, and the whole house is going to burn down. We're all going to die. God forsake the cardboard wrapping tube. Right? It's just my imagination, y'all. 
It's my imagination. Yeah, no. Trying out for the worship team. It's the misuse of it. This is what we're doing. God gives us. Can I tell you something? How are you ever going to control something that God gave you to be able to believe outside of who you are? How is that going to work? God gives you something that is beyond you, and you think you're going to be able to lock it down? But what happens is we use it wrong. We allow it to go off all the negative thoughts, and it gets us spinning, right? I'm one of those, you know, I hear about Beta. She, she goes to school, and she learns a cuss word at school, and I just start spinning. I'm like, now she knows cuss words, and she's going to start saying all the cuss words, and then she's going to get in with the wrong crew, and she's going to start selling drugs, and then she's going to start selling drugs, she's going to end up in jail, and then Casey's going to follow after, and I'm going to have two kids. They're going to be drug addicts, and they're going to be in jail, and I just start spinning. Anybody else spin with me? You know what I'm talking about? You just go. Like, I get an email from my boss, and I'm starting, I don't have a boss. I am the boss. You're the boss. You get an email from your boss. You're the boss. You get an email from the boss, and you start, you know, oh, my goodness, he wants to meet with me now, and I just wonder what I did wrong, and maybe I'm going to get fired, and you just start spinning. Y'all with me? Anybody in here just, you just, you tend, what are you spinning about? What, what, what has you spinning right now in this season of life? Man, I got all these presents to buy, and I don't have any money, and my bank account's lower than it should be, and my kids expect to get the PlayStation, a new PlayStation. I'm thinking about getting them the old Game Boy and calling it Jesus, and I just, you know, you're just, you're just spinning. You're just constantly spinning, and it's a misuse of our imagination. It's a misuse of our faith, and we end up in places we should have never ended up in that aren't even possible, but because we worry, we're so worried. We're all the way over here because we've been spinning. And here's what I'm learning. The trigger that starts you spinning, I, I was going to get one, but I didn't. Y'all ever seen Beyblades? Malcolm and Andrea's son loves Beyblades. It's a little machine. You grab this thing and you pull it and it just drops and spins. And I was going to get one, but I didn't. And I thought, man, that's our life. We have a trigger. It's the email. It's, the, it's whatever it is. It's the disappointment. It's the trigger. And there we go. We just, the trigger is real. The email happened. The financial statement is low. The email can be real, or, or the trigger can be real. But here's what I'm learning. It's up to you which way you spin it. Let me explain. I, had, I, I found out this week, I had a last minute, or, or I found out last minute about a meeting. And the meeting I was having was with an individual where I, I've had a lot of stuff I've wanted to get off my chest and I've wanted to work through with this person and it's caused a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety for me because I was not looking forward to the meeting. But uh, I've been, I've been kind of silent about some stuff for a while and I really, really wanted to talk about it and it was kind of a crazy thing. And I found out, like, like the day before I had the meeting, I found out I was going to have the meeting. And so um, the next morning, I wake up, and, you know, the day before that, I had done sermon prep all day, so it was a little bit peaceful. I was in the presence of God, and it was a little bit good, all that. And so um, I, I, I wake up, and I'm kind of stressed out, and I go over to Darla, and I said, babe, today's going to suck. And I'm sorry if your kid's in here. They should go to V-Kids. But I was like, man, today, today's going to suck. And she looked at me and said, babe, no, it's not. Today's going to be awesome. And I was like, okay. I said, okay, I'll see you. Today is going to be awesome. I said, you know what? Today is going to be awesome. And she walked into the room, and I was like, today's going to suck. <laughs> I, was, this, I know y'all think that I was going to be like, and then I walked around the house with so much confidence in the Lord. I was like, man, you need to talk to my wife. She don't even get life. You know what I mean? It was, it was weird. I was depressed. But then I had gone to prayer that morning. 
And so I said, you know what, God, I'm going to turn my worry into worship, and I'm just going to start praying about it. So I started praying about it and praying about it and praying about it and praying about it, and I got done praying, and guess what? Nothing happened. Ooh. Then I got in my truck because the meeting was about 30, 45 minutes away, so I got in the truck, and I drove, and I prayed all the way to the restaurant. Well, I prayed in between listening to Cowherd uh, Sports Radio, you know, back and forth. Uh, but, but I was listening, I was praying, I was listening, I was praying. I get to the restaurant. He had already gotten there. I get to the restaurant, park the car, and I pray in the car. God, you got to help me with this, right? you got to help me with this. I go into the meeting, and the gentleman brings up everything I wanted to bring up on his own. And we solve every problem, and it is a productive meeting, and we hug, and he leaves, and I'm like, this was amazing. Why? Because the trigger happened, the meeting's going to happen, and it's my decision on which way I spin it. I can either go this way, the meeting's going to be horrible, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, oh, I can't, this is going to happen, this is going to, you know what I found? If I spin the wrong way, I'll even come into the meeting with the wrong expectations, and I'll approach the meeting wrong because I've been spinning all day. You know, when you spin a lot, you get dizzy. You know, that's why we can't have conversation with our spouse because we've been spinning in our own mind about something. And so we can't function correctly about what we're trying to talk about. We get to spinning. And so because I chose to spin it the other way, because I took it to, presented it to God, as Philippians 4, 6 says, God said, I got this. And so he took care of it. And now instead of spinning that way, I come home going, oh, God, you're so good. God, you're so great. You're so faithful. Thank you for doing that for me. That's amazing. You see how it's important which way I spin it. Spin it this way. I can spin it that way. You're going to have the feeling. That's what I'm trying to tell you. The feeling is going to, when you leave, you're going to have a feeling today, I guarantee you. But it's your ability to decide which way you spin it. Let me show you how Jesus did this. Jesus, one time, he was talking about worry. And I want to see you, I want to show you how he spent something. Watch this. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 28. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about life. What, will, what you will eat or what you will drink, don't worry about that. Or about your body or what you, will wear, what you will wear. We're still worrying about that stuff today. What are the most things we post on social media? What we're eating, what we're wearing. Everybody's still worried about that today. Jesus, years ago, was saying, stop worrying about what you're going to eat. Stop it. Atkins diet, vegan folks, never mind. So it's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. It's way more than this. And watch this. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow. They do not reap. They do not store away in barns. And yet, everybody say, and yet. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Wow. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Say this. Say, I'm better than a bird. Look at the person beside you. Say, I'm better than a bird. Look up and say, you better than a stinking bird. Yes, are you? Yes, the answer is yes, you're way better. Guess what? God gave you, never mind, we don't go that direction. Okay, can any of you be, where am I at? Can any, of, can any one of you be worrying? Can any of you worry and add a single hour to your life? No. Can you take away hours of your life? Yes. So watch this. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Let me, let me see that prop. I read that. I immediately had this picture in my mind. Don't you see the flowers? People read this and they think Jesus is a hippie. You know, look at the birds, man. Man, I know you're worrying about your bills, man. But the flowers, man, they're just like waving, man. 
and the wind, man. Why are you worried? I'm having way too much fun with this. <laughs> Why are you worrying, man? Jesus, man. You know, Jesus ain't got no shoes on. You know what I'm talking about? He just look, got long hair. Hey, man. Come on, man. Don't worry. How are we going to pay our bills? You don't worry, man. I'll just make a fish spit up a coin, man. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's, I mean, it's right, but that's not the perspective, right? Okay, that's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus is not a hippie, as far as I know. Yeah, I wasn't there. But what Jesus is saying is it's important that we catch the perspective. He's saying, hey, see the birds? Yeah. See the flowers? Yeah. They know that I love them so much and care about them so much that they don't worry. And they're birds. They're, they're birds. Now, a bald eagle would be one thing. But you've seen a pigeon. You know what I'm talking about? Like, the pigeon. This is ugly. Like, God's like, he don't worry. Can I tell you, here's why I had to get this prop. I'm in the gym, and the Holy Spirit gave me this thought. He said, go get this, because I had seen this before at Hobby Lobby. And I grabbed it. And he said, stand in front of people and, and give them the perspective. Let them know that both of these things were created by God. This was created, not this particular, but this was created by God. And this was created by God. One is a lot prettier than the other, and one is me. Um, but watch this. Only one of these was created in the image of God. Because this wasn't. This was. Only one had the breath of God breathed into him. This didn't. This did. Only one had Jesus Christ come to earth, live a sinless life, die a sinner's death, only to be resurrected, put back on the throne so that one of us could get to heaven. Not this one. This one. But only one of us worries. Not this one. This one. Isn't that off a little bit? That the one who's in the image of God, the one that, that, that has the breath of God breathed into me, the one who Christ died for. Here's what Jesus isn't going, hey, man. Jesus is saying, hey, look at it for a second. The things that I created that you step on, the thing that you put in your windowsill or put it on your dinner table and call it pretty for a couple of days. I care so much about those things that they don't worry. Don't you know how much more I care about you? So much more. It's a perspective shift. I told you that the word for us for 2020 as a church is shift. Jesus says you need a per perspective shift. I'm not telling you you can't have the feelings, but when you have the feelings, lead them under the understanding that I'm not a flower and I'm not a bird, but God cares so much about them that they don't sow and they don't reap and they don't worry that I definitely shouldn't because I'm a child of God. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm an heir to the king, so I shouldn't worry. I should lead it. I'll get that back to you. I'll get carried away back into my hippie. Thank you. Thanks, man. You know what I mean? It's a perspective shift. When that feeling sparks, when that trigger happens, and you start to spin, well, I don't stop. Wait a minute. Can I, can I tell you a word I got in the gym? I was sharing it with, I have a friend of mine. We talk a lot in the gym. He doesn't go to church here. He goes to church somewhere else. I told him, I, I got, we were talking. I got this word. I said, I said you know what, Lanny? I said, uh, isn't it funny that, that cr only Christians 
have a butt. He was like, huh? That could be an awkward conversation in the gym when you say it like that. I said, but listen, in my situation with the meeting I had, because I'm a believer, because I believe in Christ and I understand who I am in God, I could have spent this way, but I spent that way. When I follow God, I have a but. <laughs> you know, there's a moment for me where I can start to spin, and God says, hey, the trigger happened, the trigger's real. But when you start to spin this way, whoa, 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 spin it the other way. My friend that I've been talking to about this, she, she wrote something in the email, it was so powerful. She said, if you can use your faith to believe that your boss's email is going to result in you being fired, can't you use your faith to believe it's going to result in you getting a raise? Come on. That's a perspective shift. You know what I mean? Why are we always so, oh, I'm going to get fired? No, you're about to get a raise. You're about to be elevated. You're about to, you know, it's something good. Believe, but God, and yet, and yet, I know I've, and yet, God. But, but, but last but not least, and, and I'm going to show you in a minute a verse that started this whole series for me, and I cannot wait for you to be able to live in this verse. But I started thinking, here's the thing about spinning. Here's what I've learned about spinning. is when I spin, I always end up where I started, right? So here's the third thing when it comes to, to being able to lead our feelings. We have to restart them. First, we have to face them. Second, we have to spin them, choose which ones. And then we have to restart them. Watch this. If I start thinking that I'm going to get fired and that my boss doesn't like me and that I'm going to start looking for a job, then I'm going to end believing that I'm going to get fired. But if I start with God is faithful, God is on the throne, God is going to elevate me, I've done all I can, da -da -da -da, then I'm going to end with God. It's all about where you start. Think about it. What was Mary and Joseph's biggest problem? Where they started. I'll show you. Can I show you the verse that literally knocked, I mean, I mean, literally stopped me in my tracks, and I built this whole series on it. Here we go. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 49. Now, this, I haven't read this to you yet. It, this is the verse after what we read at the beginning of the message. So this is after Mary and Joseph are, are searching for Jesus anxiously. Mary says, Jesus, why'd you do that to me and your dad? We were searching for you anxiously. And Jesus says, why were you searching for me? Why? Watch this. Didn't you know? That I had to be in my father's house? Like, Troy, what in the, that doesn't set me free. That's because you didn't hear it the way God told it to me. Here's what he said. You're anxious. You're worried. Why? Don't you know where to find me? Why are you anxious when you know where I am? Why are you worried? Why are you searching? When we face anxiety and depression and loneliness and disappointment, we search everywhere for solutions. We search medicine and we search, we search, you know, friends and we search online. We search everywhere. And I believe the beginning starts with Jesus saying, why are you searching, why are you starting anywhere but here? You know where to find me. We know where to find Jesus. Why would we start anywhere else but with Jesus? Listen to me. You will never have a quiet mind if you don't have a quiet time. There's not a time where you just get to be able to sit 
talk to the Savior, whatever that looks like, you have to have a time with God before you're ever going to have a quiet mind. Why would we start anywhere else? I believe in practical help where I wouldn't give you Christian counselors and book references. I wouldn't go set out to meet with my friend to talk through practical. I believe in it all. But at the very beginning of this thing, you better understand it starts with Jesus. That's where it starts. That's where relief, that's where healing, that's where it all starts. It starts with Jesus. So I thought it would be a pretty cool way. Ben, I'm going to invite you up. Uh, I thought it would be a pretty cool thing to start this series off by offering a time of prayer at the end of service. So here's what we're going to do. In a minute, I'm going to bring the prayer team down. And uh, we're going to go into a song. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to come down here and ask for prayer. To start with Jesus. I want to say, I didn't say this. I want to say it now from the microphone. My prayer team, after you're praying with people, if you need prayer, you need to go find somebody else on the prayer team. This is such a sweet moment. My wife, as Pastor Brian alluded to, we were... uh, pre-service getting ready and she said I just feel like God's going to set somebody free today and I think all of it just starts with a time where you're recognizing that you need Jesus right we're going to get into a lot of stuff over the next couple weeks we're going to talk about interpretation we're going to talk about integrity and intake we're going to talk about how every miracle starts as a disappointment we're going to get into some deep stuff but it starts here it starts with the fact that why are you searching anywhere else when you know where to find Jesus you know where to find him. So prayer team, I'm going to invite you up now at this time. And in case you're visiting or in case you've never really done this before, we, we don't really have a system. So what we'll do in a minute, I'll pray. And this band will begin to sing. And as you feel led, I invite you. I'm going to have you stand all together when we pray. Go ahead and get that out of your way. I don't want to stand. You're already standing just give you the opportunity to come down here and say, hey, can, can we pray? I'm dealing with this. The Bible talks about how going to God for the forgiveness of your sins and praying with your brother and sister for healing. And so the opportunity to come down and say, hey, can, can you pray for me? Here's what I'm dealing with. I'm anxious about this. I'm depressed about this. I'm lonely. I'm disappointed. It's this season. And I want to start with Jesus. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? So a real quick recap. The first thing that we have to do is we got to face our feelings. We got to learn how to be able to choose which way we spin them. And then we got to make sure they start with Jesus. So if you're in this place, you came here today because you needed to hear a message about anxiety. You needed to hear a message about depression. Maybe nobody in this room's known you've dealt with it, but you've dealt with it. You've done a really good job of hiding it. They didn't know you lost Jesus. Now's the time. Today's the day for you to come down and say, hey, I just, and, and let me say this, there's, I don't want you to think that the people who are, although they're incredible people, I don't want you to be like, well, they're, you know, there's something supernatural about them, so when they touch me, I'm going to be delivered. No, it's not the situation. They just love you, and they want to agree with you, and they want to pray with you. So, Father, we come to you, and we thank you right now for your word. I thank you that you show us in your scripture that Mary and Joseph are anxious. I thank you that we see in scripture where Jesus was anxious. And I think the first thing that really does is it sets us free from feeling like we can't feel that way. 
and in the way that your word directs us on how to lead those feelings to you and how to be able to understand and see the value in us versus the value of a flower or a bird. Today, I believe with every, every word that I've preached, as encouraging, as enlightening as it must might be, the real power is what's about to happen right now as we come to you and we surrender to you and we pray to you. So I just ask for every person in this room who's struggling. Somebody came in today and they were done. They were done. And what an opportunity to just come before you. We don't have anywhere to go. We don't always get to do this, but what a moment today to be able to enjoy coming and seeking your face and being in your presence. So have your way in this place today, I pray. And as every person that comes down today that asks for prayer, that your Holy Spirit would meet them in a very special way. Father, thank you for your healing. Thank you for your touch. Thank you for your word. Thank you that when we're struggling, we have somewhere to go and someone to come to. So now we move out of the way. We ask you to move, to do great things through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said,